0: This can-do podcast is brought to you by Blake Albina Thoroughbred Services. Blake Albina is a full-service bloodstock agency and consignment company representing clients at every major horse sale in the country. For more information, call Ron Blake at 859-396-4836 or Hunsley Albina at 859-621-0800. Whether an experienced owner or a newcomer to the game, Blake Albina has the knowledge and experience to help you achieve your goals in the thoroughbred industry.
1: I got the horse right here. The name is Paul Revere, and here's a guy that says if the web is clear. Can do This says the
0: horse This is Bill Duncliffe. I want to welcome you back to the Can Do Horse Racing Podcast, where the heroes and history of horse racing come to life. What's in a name? Well, according to Shakespeare, the author, not the horse, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Is there any denying by any fan of our sport that one of the things that will cause us to adopt one of our equine athletes as, just that, ours, is the name? A name that speaks to us in some way, rolls off of our tongue just right, has a sense of majesty or grace to it? Secretariat, Man O' War, Seattle Slough, arts and letters. The performances matter, of course, but there's a certain something to the combination of performance and appellation that draws us even closer to them, making them, as I said, ours, even if just for a cosmic moment. I first heard the name ta that's T-A space W-E-E, in days of old when Harvey Pack's Inside Racing aired once a week on one of the old New England sports channels in those early days of cable television. The name spoke to me almost immediately. Exotic, mysterious, enchanting speaking to me somehow of magic and grace. This filly was, however, anything but graceful, at least to look at. She was a powerhouse. Magical, yes. Graceful, no. She was, according to one of her trainers, the late great Scotty Schulhofer, who you will hear more about later, a filly with short legs but a massive girth. But what she accomplished in her three years on the track was magical. Wait a minute, many of you are probably saying, I've never heard of this horse. Well, don't feel badly. As I said, I had not either until Harvey Pack brought her up on the segment of his Inside Racing show where he would revisit some of the forgotten corners of our sports history. Even though in 1999, when Bloodhorse ranked the top 100 horses of the last century, Tawi at number 85 was listed ahead of luminaries like Miesk, Lure, Devonadale, and Bayakoa, the primary reason this incredible performer has been a bit lost to the ages was her older half-brother, who banged in at number 6 on the list. The incredible dr fager dr fager who in his four-year-old season was named champion sprinter champion handicap horse co-champion turf horse and as you've probably already guessed horse of the year and that i fear has overshadowed the incredible feats that ta we whose name by the way in the native american sioux language means beautiful girl essayed against her own kind and in showing the boys what a girl could do a beautifully feisty girl speaking of feisty i mentioned how without harvey pack's guidance i might never have heard of this remarkable performer Good podcast friend Peter Thomas Fornatel, longtime friend and co-author with Harvey, with assistance from the magic of the interwebs, visited with Harvey and revisited the great Tawi. You'll note a couple of diversions mid-conversation, but because Harvey is such a great storyteller and still has that great voice, I left them in. Enjoy.
1: So, do you remember talking about Tawi on the old shows? When she ran, you had to talk about her. She was one of those remarkable fillies that comes along once in a generation, maybe less than once in a generation. What she did is she would carry weight higher than the male counterparts were carrying, even allowing for the the difference in sexes. She was one of those unbelievable fillies. And every performance was exciting. You couldn't make a living on her because, quite correctly, she was generally the favorite. But she beat the boys willingly. Didn't care one way or the other, but what I do remember is she started with Tartan with Johnny Neerud. Now, I know that she ended up with Scotty Schulhofer. I don't know if she ended up with Tartan or whether Johnny Neerud had retired then. You know, John trained an awful long time and was uh, definitely died very old. (laughs) Who am I to talk? (laughs) But he definitely did. And Johnny Neerud was one of my favorites because. He got me the Breeders' Cup. What's the story there? Tell that story. Well, when they somebody suggested me, they didn't know who I was because they, I wasn't in Kentucky. They may have heard me, but they didn't know me, and they asked Nearwood, who was involved at the beginning of the Breeders' Cup, right. and he said. He's interviewed me. He's absolutely terrific. And that sealed the deal. <laughs> I never even got to thank him because he doesn't know. I know. But they told me that's how I got the Breeders' Cup. Was Nehru... We're going off topic here, but heck, it's
2: fun. Was Nehru part of the uh, old t- famous Old Timer's Day show
1: that yes, you did? I had him on.
2: That was... yeah. Uh, it could, do you, you don't have video of that? Is it no, I don't.
1: I don't. Somebody does somewhere, but I don't. To- I would like to have it. It was fun to do. It was one of those things that... uh Stan Epstein, the director, suggested. I said I don't want to work during the day. I'd rather play tennis, and they talked <laughs> me into it. And I fought them and fought them, and it remains our best show. What was the concept? The concept was just to talk to them. We had one trainer. Uh, his name I think was Walter Kelly, and he was a very good trainer. And somebody <laughs> went over to him. We said, Walter, Harvey would like to interview on putovers. And he said, you don't have to worry. The statute of limitations has run out and you're retiring. And he did He did one. It was a head-to-head. It wasn't one of those things we did. And I would say to him, he, I said, remember any of the good ones you put over? And he, oh, yes. And he would tell us. And we were right. What could they do to him? He was a charming guy and a wonderful trainer. What did Nehru talk about? Nehru talks about the good old days. Nehru was always fun. And... uh he was—he was a great trainer. He really, Doctor Fager alone. There's a career right there, and he really made the Tartan Stable, Mister McKnight, and I think I may have told you this. I'll tell it to you again, Mister Dirt. Now, Mister Dirt was a guy I used to talk about on the air a lot. He was once I interviewed him, and I said, I said, Mister Dirt. Uh, the woman leading in our handicapping contest, isn't she your mother? And he said, she's representing me. And then finally, to end the interview, I said, remember, no matter how crowded the racetrack, Mr. Dirt stands alone. And as we faded out, he shouted, graduate of an Ivy League college. And it was true, Columbia.
2: (laughs) I remember him. I remember him from my earliest days at the track. Let's go back to Tawi for a minute. So... Do you remember, what's your earliest memory of her being kin to Dr. Fager? I would assume there was hype before she ever stepped yes, on the racetrack. Yes,
1: after. there was. And they don't live up to hype, as you know. When they say this is a champion by a champion, you're lucky if it beats the, if it runs dead last, it beats a horse. But she was good from day one. And they those come along. Secretary at day one got blocked leaving the gate and didn't win. This horse was good from day one. And some of them can do that. And they're wonderful to see, and people become very attached to them. And for some reason, I think Phillies, who can beat the guys, attract more attention and more adulation. She deserved it. We don't get many like that anymore. For one thing, they retire them. But she was really super. We've been
2: lucky the last few years with some of these fillies, especially the economic realities that allow
1: them to, to stay in training, which is... Which well, is in work. our current situation, nobody's allowed to rest. The purses are too big. I was telling you before, I happened to be looking at Gulfstream. They're not running super racing yet. It's not January, February. They're not heading to the Florida Derby. They're running preseason, really. And I looked and I did, they showed the handle on the second race. It was over a million dollars in my day, we would do three and a half on the day. We thought we were brilliant. Now, 12 million, and you don't even need to give them good racing. Yeah, even huh? accounting for Different
2: inflation. Different game. Yeah, that's And intense. it is the,
1: the only game that has survived. I say to people, oh, basketball is playing in an arena? We're doing everything right out in the open. We've <laughs> never had a better business. Horse racing is alive, really alive. <laughs> I like to hear that. You talk about some of the differences. One thing I noticed looking through
2: the Tawi stuff is the weight that she carried? And the way that weight, seems like it was a much bigger part of the game back then than it is today. What did it mean for a filly like Tawi to carry? It meant
1: a lot, but I agree with you. If we think about it now in terms, it's not a big deal. I see them giving weight all the time. The fall high weight handicap, Steve Crist, little Andy Serling and myself used to laugh at that because it didn't mean anything. We would put a lot of weight on, they'd run us as well and they'd finish the same way. But weight was always considered a big deal. Trainer would say, I'm glad you got third. Well, maybe they won't add a pound or two. What for? What were they worried about? A great horse doesn't care. Great horses don't care. Their ears go back and they win anyway because they want to win.
0: As Harvey alluded to, this filly was not afraid of carrying weight. With her weight allowance versus the boys as a filly, her feats became even more remarkable. Think about this, as a three-year-old, facing older horses in the fall high weight, somehow held at the end of August, she drilled the competition under 130 pounds. In the Vosburg, not only did she defeat the boys, but she beat legendary fillies Gamely and Shuvie as well, this time carrying 123 pounds. As accomplished as she was in her three-year-old year, year, it was in her four-year-old year that her legend was cemented. In the correction at Aqueduct, she won carrying 131. She finished second in the distaff at Aqueduct, carrying 134, but she bounced back to win the Hebstead two months later under 132 and then traveled down to the Jersey Shore, winning the Regret at Monmouth with 136 pounds on her back. But she wasn't done yet. She came back to Aqueduct in July in the Gravesend and was just one-fifth of a second off the track record, carrying 134 pounds. She came back in the 1970 fall high weight, this time run slightly closer to the fall on August 31st, and with her 5-pound weight allowance versus the boys and the 140 pounds she was saddled with, beat eight male rivals, decisively carrying the equivalent of 145 pounds. 145 pounds. Think about that for a second. Any fan of this sport knows that if a trainer was told his or her charge was going to be saddled with 145 pounds today, that trainer would say scratch before the racing secretary finished the sentence. And by the way, just to cap off her remarkable career, she carried 142 in her final race, a victory in the Interborough, where her competitors carried anywhere from 18 to 32 pounds less. To make weight that day, Jockey John Rotts loaded up with 24 pounds of dead weight spread over this remarkable filly's back, and even at that, Rotz commented to Scotty Schulhofer after the race that, She outbroke me. As I said, were it not for her older half-brother Dr. Fager, I think we would still be marveling at this remarkable filly's performance today. She is in the National Racing Museum Hall of Fame, of course, but where is the race that is named after this weight-carrying legend? Although the fall high weight has become a bit of an anachronism, given the aversion to any weight in post these days, If it's going to continue to be run, as I believe it should, is there any reason to not rename it the Tawee Fall Highway? Wouldn't that be an appropriate tribute to this gutsy lady of the track? As I mentioned earlier, the great Scotty Schulhofer took over the training from a legend of the sport and the subject of an earlier podcast this season, John Nayrud, for the renowned Tartan Farm, whose racing stock included Tawi. Scotty passed away in 2006, but his son Randy, who worked alongside him for many years, shared his dad's remembrances of Tawi. Along the way we also talked about not just the physical but the mental characteristics you will also find in the great ones. Your dad took over training for Tawi and, and really Tartan stables after the Tawi won the won the won the test. How did he, um, Randy, end up um taking over the Tartan training? He must have had a relationship there before that with uh John Nayud and the and the Tartan people.
2: Yes, he he uh I don't know exactly how it was. You know, I was really young then. He was training for uh, Mr. Shift, I think, at the time. I could be wrong.
0: that the, you know everyone says about John Nerud who knew him was that he had a great eye for horses and what they needed and what they were capable of and I would imagine I think he had the same type of eye for people as well. You know what they could do and, 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 and their skills and their capabilities. So he obviously saw something in your dad, him and Mr. McKnight that said this is the person that we want to hand over this you know like you said this terrific racing and breeding operation too. I mean you're you're talking about a half to you know dr fager um uh and and a just an amazing filly i i know you know when we talked before you mentioned that your your dad talked about how physically she she wasn't even really built like a filly just big and blocky but and muscular right
2: yes but she from what i understand she was more like a a big a, a colt more than a filly you know, and, and she was just an
0: ideal athlete, as to say, and very you know, as a, as a record has proven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Randy, is there a um? I, I'll hear this on the NYRA broadcast, and I never really, uh, I'm not that good at it, but they'll talk about a sprinter's build versus a you know turf horse, turf foot um, versus a router's build. Um, I imagine then that Tawi had this classic sprinter's build, being able to do what she did. What 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 is that exactly?
2: Well, I mean, like Smile. I mean, I wasn't around Tawi, but I was around Smile, who was a great sprinter. Yep. And he was a uh, he w- he was a smaller type horse, but mu- very muscular. Uh, and he was just he was not the smoothest moving horse, but. That was in reality that bred that into those horses. Okay. But but Tawi was uh, she was in just from what I understand an exceptional athlete. The ones that don't come along too often.
0: Yeah, yeah. You can wait. You can wait a lifetime for them, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she. Um, you know, even as a as a three year old, she was racing against older. Uh, early in the year, too. One of the things that I noticed. Um, <laughs> It's kind of interesting how the calendar changes. The The fall high-weight handicap, quote-unquote, which is now run on Thanksgiving Day, typically, or Thanksgiving weekend, um, was run really like Labor Day weekend or the weekend before Labor Day at Belmont, typically, back then. Um, but she was running against males then, and maybe she was running against older ones. Um, and I think as a three-year-old, I think she carried 130 pounds that day, and that was that was far from the from the most that she carried um uh but that that's a remarkable uh thing as a 3-year-old to be carrying that kind of weight uh, but uh, you know I saw some quotes from your dad and 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 others that um and I uh, guess you know from John Nehru that they knew she could carry they were really were not worried about the weight apparently
2: dad said she she handled everything i mean Of course, you're concerned about weight. You know, enough weight can stop a freight train. Yeah. But she was, but she was, she handled everything. She she was just, she was hands above any of the other horses at that time. Probably far above a lot of horses today, uh, throughout the the time period. She was an exceptional racehorse.
0: Yeah, I mean, she ended up, you know, in her in her last race, okay. I mean, if they tried to saddle a horse with 142 pounds today, yeah. um, the trainer would walk away, right? I mean, the trainer would say, "Forget it; it's not not going to happen." Um,
2: well, you got so many options, right? <laughs> so right. Today, back then, it was you know, it was the game's changed a lot. It, it was a different sport back then. It was more of a, a man sport, or, you know, people breeder sport back then.
0: So you, then you know, it was, it, it was something you, else. I, it's it's interesting, Randy, we we talked about her physical capabilities and how she could, you know, get just big and blocky like a colt, could carry that weight. But uh, as we're talking about it, it strikes me that it must have been equal parts her and, and you see this in the great ones too, it must have been equal parts her mind as well, right? That she was just she knew where the wire was, she knew what she was there to do. Um I I gotta believe that when you're talking about horses like Tawi, it's as much about their mind as it is about their physical capabilities, right?
2: Well, I agree with you there 100%. It's the, <coughs> the good horse
0: to tell people that horse knows where the wire is that's the uh (laughs) that's one of the uh, dad
2: had uh uh, what was it he trained mcdermott and he think he won 12 straight on the turf
0: oh really okay all right yeah
2: yeah and then he got beat i think it was the what was it the wash it was the canadian international he got built beat by way and tiller if you remember those
0: okay sure yeah Yep. so he
2: Came back that was before the breeders cup he came back into washington d but dad said after that race when he got beat he said he trained like a different horse he, he came back to the barn he was dead serious you know and and he knew and that's the first time he got beat in 12 starts on the turf
0: oh my that wow. was his third time. things I love about doing this podcast is going down different avenues as I start pulling on threads during the research process. Were it not for Taui, I might not have thought to do a segment on the career of the understated but very accomplished Scotty Schulhofer and would not have had the opportunity to share with his son Randy a classic track story that brought good fortune to a Duncliffe brother and brought back good memories for Randy, including a classic Bobby Frankel vignette. Join us next week for all that. In the meantime, God bless you and all your loved ones. May good health, happiness, and gratitude for both be yours, today and always. I'm picking Valentine,
1: cause on the morning line, the guy's got him bigger five than five to nine. Has but make it epitaph, he wins it chance. by a half, I do this here horse. in the, the telegraph For for a bear, i bite, I hear his foot's all
2: right, of course it all depends if he's red. I know it's violent.